Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. I want you to tell your neighbor next to you, take no thought. Some of you are like, no, brother, you need to think a little bit because I know you. and You need to do a little bit of thinking. But the Bible says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. Or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 21. We'll start reading at verse 10. 1 Samuel chapter 21. And verse number 10, we find here that David has been in the presence of Saul and Saul's jealousies of David's victories have caused him to seek David's life. And so David flees from King Saul to Achish in Gath. And that's where we pick up the story today. The Bible says, and David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him and dance his saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. But right here is where I want to draw our attention to for the next few moments of this service. The Bible says, and when David hears this, that David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid. Of Achish, the king of Gath. David laid up these words. That's just good old King James's for saying it this way. David thought about what they said. I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost today that sometimes you just got to put off your thinking cap. Sometimes you just got to put off your thinking cap. I wonder right now if you will lift up your hands and pray. Let's pray for the anointing of the Lord to be manifest in this room. His presence is already here. But I want us to pray that God would help us to be open and receptive to what he wants to speak. God, we are hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost. We are hungry for a touch from your presence today. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would open every ear to hear and every heart to receive. Anoint us, Lord. Anoint everything. Let it not be entirely in words of man's wisdom and my knowledge, Lord. But let there be a demonstration of your power and of your glory in this place. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're expecting for God to do something in this place, I wonder if you put your hands together and give Jesus some praise. Come on, Calvary. Why don't you clap right now with some expectation in your spirit? Come on, why don't you clap right now with some expectation that God is going to move in this place. Come on. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I was a pretty good kid in school, Brother Carson. I, uh, I tried to be a good kid. I tried to do what's right. I tried to listen to my teacher, all the things that you should do as a good school child. But can I tell you, sometimes I didn't always get it right. I might have visited the principal's office, you know, once or twice or three or four. I don't know, really, maybe it's more than I can actually remember. I was in the principal's office a little bit, but you know, I wasn't really that bad of a kid. There was this one thing that I would do that would really get me in trouble. And let me tell you something, all the musicians in the room, especially my drummers, can relate to this. I'd be sitting there all in the classroom listening to what the teacher would say but then all of a sudden brother Carson I would be transported out of that classroom into an arena filled with people and I would begin to play uh, the greatest drum solo of all drum solos I mean you guys should have been there it was incredible I mean I would be getting down I'd be going off and, and all of a sudden as I got to the apex of my drum solo I mean I was getting ready to shut the place down and all of a sudden there would come a slap on my death James Wilson what do you think you're doing I jolt a jolt of sobriety would come to me and I would realize I'm not where I thought I was the teacher would look at me and say, what are you doing? You're in the schoolhouse right now. You need to sit back, put your back flat against the chair, put your feet on the ground, and put on your thinking cap because you're in school right now, son. But can I tell somebody today that you are not in a schoolhouse this morning, but we are in the house of the Lord. And you know what? The purpose of the schoolhouse is to hone and to cultivate one's mental faculties so that they can think and logic as they should be. But can I tell you the purpose of the house of God is to hone and to cultivate the supernatural so that miracles can occur. And so you know what that means? That means sometimes you can't come in trying to think your way through everything. You can't come in trying to make sense of everything. But you got to come in with with faith believing in spite of what I'm going through right now in spite of what I'm facing right now I'm believing that my God is going to do a miracle in my life it doesn't make sense to my brain it doesn't make logical sense to me but I believe I serve a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ever ask or think So sometimes, in order to get what you need from God, you can make logical sense of it. You can't think about it too much. But sometimes you got to come into the house of the Lord and you got to take off your thinking cap. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him that. Say, today you need to put off your thinking cap. 
Because God has wanted to do something today. And some of you, if you think your way, if you think about it a little too much, you'll begin to realize that there's no way that you can get out of your situation. There's no way that you can get out of your dilemma. It does not make logical sense that God can heal your body today. It does not make logical sense that your family member that has been gone from God for 20 years can come walking through the doors today. But I've come to tell somebody, you need to take the limitations off of God. Rise up with some faith and expectation today and say, God, I'm believing for you to do the impossible. I'm believing for you to do what only you can do. And Lord, I'm not going to think my way out of it. I'm going to faith and believe my way into it. Oh, somebody clap your hands if you're going to do that. Oh, somebody clap your hands if there's some expectation in your spirit today that my God is able to do the impossible. I love the way the Bible says it in 1 Corinthians 1, 26. The Bible says it this way, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Listen, but God had chosen the foolish things, the things that don't make any sense of the world to confound the wise. Listen, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know what that means? That means sometimes God allows things to get so bad and so rough and so messed up that when he delivers, that when he sets free, the only thing you can say is, I know it was Jesus. There's no way I should be healed. Come on, somebody. There's no way I should be delivered right now. There's no way that I should have freedom in the Holy Ghost right now but because of my God I can stand here today and say I've been set free I've been delivered and God alone gets the glory come on somebody I'll come to tell you in this place God is going to get the glory out of your sickness God is going to get the glory out of your situation God's going to get the glory Come on, I know it's foolish. I know it doesn't make sense. But believe again, even when it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense. But hope again. You got to allow yourself to move beyond the realm of thinking about things. And to the realm of simply believing that God can do what only God can do. It was another normal day in the life of David, it seemed. There was no thundering theophanies, nothing to elevate his expectation, nothing, no prophecies foretelling that this day would be any different than any other day in the life of David. But can I tell you, today was not another normal day in the life of David. Today would be the day that David's life would change forever. He'd be vaulted, dare I say, enshrined into Jewish folklore by the working of a bona fide miracle. His slaying of that Philistine giant Goliath. And so as David arrives on the battlefield to face Goliath, his response to what he hears from Goliath is not what everyone thinks that it should be. 
For as everyone else hears the bellowing cries of Goliath and begins to hide themselves at Goliath's bellowing voice, David makes a decision that I will not hide, I will not run, but I will believe that God is going to do something in my life. Now to those that would argue with me and say that David was not the underdog, but was indeed the favorite to emerge from his skirmish with Goliath victorious, I would agree with you today for no child of God at any time under any circumstance is an underdog but I have to admit to you through the lenses of human logic and reasoning brother Carson it did not make sense that David could go out to that battlefield face Goliath and be victorious but you see David understood if I put my faith and my trust in God in spite of what it seems like on the outside in spite of what it feels like on the outside God is able to deliver me and so David marches out onto that battlefield to face Goliath and when he gets to the battlefield he hears the cry of Goliath but David understands this simple fact your response to what you hear will determine what you have others upon hearing the challenge of Goliath begin to run and begin to fret and begin to hide but David understood just because you hear doubt just because you hear fear just because you hear the attacks of the enemy doesn't mean that things have to turn out that way David was a youth but David was no novice he had slain that brawny bear in the verdant pastures where he had tended to his father's sheep and had silence a mighty lion roar in those same pastures with the sharpness of his sling and David knew although my pack is against the wall and this giant stands before me I serve a God that is able to deliver me therefore I will not be quiet I will not pack up but I'll march out onto the battlefield and I will be victorious I've come to preach to somebody right now. Your response to what you hear will determine what you have. Just because you hear a bad report does not mean that things have to turn out that way. Just because your family member says they're never coming back to church doesn't mean that it has to turn out that way. Just because you get a bad report from the doctor does not mean that things have to turn out that way. But if somebody will respond in faith, if somebody will respond with some courage and say, I know what it seems like on the outside, but I serve a God that is able to do a miracle. God will show up and show out in your life. Come on, I know your back may, may be against the wall. I know it may seem unlikely, but can I tell you no child of God is an underdog. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. There's royalty flowing through your veins, and there is no devil in hell. There is no force natural or supernatural that can stand up to a determined child of God that says, I will have my miracle. I will have what God has for me. I will not pack up. I won't be intimidated but I'll stand in faith and believe for my God to do a miracle somebody clap your hands and give Jesus praise if you believe that oh I need somebody to get it 
I don't care how high the odds are stacked against you today. I don't care how long it's been today since you've had a breakthrough. If you'll believe God today, I'm telling you, God will do a miracle in your life. God will come down to where you are, transform your life, pick you up, turn you around, make something out of your life. Come on, you just got to excuse me. Come on, my back's been against the wall one too many times with no way out. But when I called on the name of the Lord, when I called on the name of Jesus, something changed in my life. Something happened in my life. I should not be standing here before you today. But because of my God, I stand here. Come on, somebody, but you got to take the limits off of God. You got to take the limits off of God and say, in spite of what I feel, in spite of of what I see, I will believe. Come on, if you feel that way, somebody lift up your voice right now. Come on, somebody lift up your voice right now. Uh, but you got to put off your thinking cap. It doesn't make sense the type of things that God can do. But can I tell you, it would not be a miracle if it was possible and it made logical sense. Right now, God is allowing your obstacle to be an opportunity. God is allowing your dilemma to be an opportunity for deliverance. But you got to allow God to do what only he can do and show up. Come on, somebody. I said right now, God is giving you a divine opportunity. Will you stand back and say, you know what? God, you can't do it. Or will you step forward with the same courage that David had and said, if God be for me, then who can be against me? If God is on my side, I'm going to have victory. Uh, he's still in the business of doing things when you respond to what you hear in faith. I was in a service about like this earlier this year. I think I was preaching this message. No, it was another one. And the Lord spoke to me in the middle of that service and said, James, I want to heal somebody right now. I said, Lord, right now? Right now, like right now. He said, yeah, right now. And Brother Carson, I was thinking, Lord, I'm in the middle of my beautifully crafted sermon right now. You just going to interrupt me like that? Like for real? God said, yeah, I want to heal somebody right now. And so I stopped what I was doing. And I said, God wants to heal somebody right now. I said, if you'll lift up your hands and pray, I said, I'm going to pray a prayer of faith and God's going to heal somebody right now. Now, let me tell you something. I, to this point, I had never done anything quite like this before. It did not make logical sense to me. I did not understand what God was doing, but I know what I felt in the spirit. I know I felt the prompting of God leading me to do this, and so I did it. It didn't make sense. I had my thinking cap on, but I had to take it off and believe that if God was speaking something, that something was going to happen. And so you know what we did? We stopped right there in that middle of that service and we began to pray. Lifted up our hands. Prayed the prayer of faith. I said, well, I don't know if anything happened, but uh, 
Praise God, I was obedient. <laughs> we kind of moved on. And we were in, we had a great service. Presence of God was moving. There was a young lady that came to me, or rather a young man came to me and said, Brother Wilson, there's a young lady that was in, uh, in the service. She, she's over there. She's not at the front. She's over there. She wants to talk to you. I said, okay. I went over to where she was. When I got to where she was, I noticed that she had a cast on her leg. So I went over to her. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, Brother Wilson, she said, when you prayed, she said, when you said, in the name of Jesus, she said, I came into this place with a broken leg. She said, my leg was broken in three places. She said, it just happened a couple of days ago. She said, I, 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 I can't even walk on it. I can't put any weight on it. She said, but when you said, in the name of Jesus, she said, something shot down my leg. And she said, right now, she said, I don't have proof. She said, but I can walk on it. She said, I don't have any pain. I, I don't have any discomfort. I, I'm convinced that God just healed my leg. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, that's what can happen. When you put off your thinking cap and say, God, uh, in spite of what it seems like, uh, I'm going to believe you. In that same service, the bishop of that church had a problem with his, with his knee. His knee had worn down to the place that there was no cartilage separating his bones. And so some of you might know how painful that is. Literally every time he would walk, the bone would rub against the bone. Just an extremely painful deal. He had gone to the doctor, and the doctor said, the only way that you're going to get relief from this is for you to have surgery. So they took x-rays of this man's knee, of this a wonderful man of God's knee. And on the x-rays, Brother Carson, you can see there was no cartilage. There was nothing there. Just bone rubbing up against bone. Nothing. But in the middle of that service, he lifted up his hand and placed, lifted up one hand and placed the other on that knee. And prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, he believed, did a miraculous work in his life. And in the middle of that service, he began to move that knee and there was no pain. There was no discomfort. He believed that God had healed him. So he told his daughter, he said, I believe that God has healed my knee. He said, Brother Wilson prayed. We prayed together. He said, and since that moment we prayed, I haven't had any discomfort in my knees. He said, we need to go to the doctor. So they went to the doctor. While they were at the doctor, the doctor grabbed his knee, wiggling it around, trying to get him to feel some pain and some discomfort. He said, doc, he said, I'm telling you, he said, God has healed my knee. I don't feel any pain. I don't feel any discomfort. There's nothing wrong with my knee. I'm telling you, I've been healed. The doctor said, okay, I'll tell you what. He said, let's go take another x-ray. Let's take a look at this again. They went and they took an x-ray. And when they put the x-ray side by side, you could see the old x-ray 
where there was no cartilage, literally the bone rubbing up against bone. But when they looked at the new x-ray, miraculously where there was no cartilage, there was cartilage there. God had literally healed his body and replaced that cartilage in his knee. Come on, somebody. I've come to tell you right now, if you'll put off your thinking cap, if you'll take the limitations off of God, our God's still in the healing business. Our God's still in the delivering business. Our God is still in the soul-saving business. Oh, somebody give God praise if you believe that right now. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and give God worship right now. Come on, if you believe that healing can come to you today. If you believe that deliverance can come to your household today. Somebody give the Lord praise. Come on, somebody, I said if he's done it before, he can do it again. Come on, he's Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he healed a man in Eureka, California earlier this year, I've come to tell somebody he can heal you today. If he saved somebody's soul, he can save your soul today. But you got to put off your thinking cap. You got to quit trying to make logical sense of how everything is unfolding in your life and just have a little faith and believe that God can do what only God can do. Of David, I wish that I could tell you that David was always this courageous, always this bold, that David never doubted God in his life. But if I'd be telling you this, if I were to tell you this, I'd be telling you a lie. For miracles did die in the life of David. We find David, a very different David, in chapter 23 of Samuel than we find in chapter 17. In this chapter, we find David fleeing for fear of King Saul. Saul's jealousies of David's victories that caused him to seek David's life. And so now David flees to the one place he knows that Saul will not seek him. To King Achish in the city of Gath. But I find it so interesting that when David arrives, that they begin to speak of David. They begin to say that Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They also say of David, is not this David the king of the land? Now what I find very interesting about this is that David has been anointed king, but David is not yet king. And yet they look at David, Brother Carson, and they say, this man is the king of the land. Can I tell you right now that some of you think that your adversary is, is not afraid of you? Some of you think that your adversary, the devil, is looking at you with no fear? getting ready to attack you but can I tell you right now exactly how the devil sees most of you the devil looks at you 
and he sees a king in you. I find it very interesting that David was not yet anointed king, yet his adversary looks at David and says, my goodness, there's an anointing on his life. Some of you right now have been running, have been hiding because you feel like the enemy is on your track. But can I tell you, if you could just have a conversation with your adversary, they would inform you that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Come on, somebody. I wish you have a conversation with your adversary today. And he would tell you, if you only knew the potential on the inside of you, if you only knew the anointing on your life, you wouldn't stand back and cower in fear. You wouldn't stand back without an intimidation. But you'd rise up in faith and power and do great things for God. David's enemy calls him a king, and yet David hears those words and he doubts. When we allow human logic and reasoning to overcome our minds, when we begin to think about things a little too much, prophecies, things that are supposed to be good things that are pronounced over us, all of a sudden become perverted and become bad things. They didn't say anything threatening to David. They didn't say anything uh, great uh, uh, or they didn't say anything bad about David. They simply remark on the anointing that's on David's life, yet because David... It's thinking about it a little too much. David takes something that's supposed to be a great thing, perverts it and makes it a, a good thing rather, and perverts it and makes it a bad thing. Can I tell somebody in this place today, you need to quit allowing your mind to wonder and think. God has spoken some things over some of you in this place today, and you've thought about it a little too much. And what God really meant to propel you, the anointing that God really meant to, to encourage you, has been the thing that the enemy has used to distract you and discourage you. But I've come to tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost that God's anointing is on your life. And if you'll begin to believe again, if you'll begin to hope again, God will begin to do miracles in your life again. Come on, God is wanting someone in this place today to say, I have an anointing on my life. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to doubt. There's a purpose and an anointing on my life. The Bible says that when David hears the good thing is not this the king of the land. The Bible says when he hears this spoken over him in our scripture text, the Bible says, and David laid up these words in his heart. That's good old King James E's for David thought about it a little too much. I don't know how long it was that David thought about it. I don't know how long he had time to meditate on those words. But can I tell you, David had enough time to become comfortable with those words. A long enough time for David to become uh, uh, connected and emotionally invested in those words. Uh, to the place that David doubts everything that God has ever poured out on his life. To the place that David doubts the anointing of God on his life. Can I tell you something right now? Human logic and reasoning are killers for the supernatural. When we make up our mind 
that we're ineligible because it seems impossible when we allow the words of the enemy to get into our hearts and become a personal thing no you can't touch my doubt you can't touch my fear you can't touch my anxiety it's my words when we allow those lies when we allow those things to overcome our thoughts can I tell you that's when the supernatural dies in our life I know the generation that I'm living in I know the generation that I'm speaking to right now that would tell you if it doesn't make logical sense then don't believe it if it doesn't make logical sense to your brain you should not believe it but can I tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost the supernatural will not ever make sense to the carnal the supernatural will never make sense to those that are in this world but I would to God that somebody would stand up in this place today and say I know it doesn't make sense to my brain I know it doesn't make sense to my but I believe in that my God, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Therefore, I'm not going to let my thoughts betray me. But I'm going to believe that God is a miracle working God. Come on, somebody clap your hands and give the Lord praise right now. And because of David's thoughts, an opportunity for a miracle dies in David's life. The Bible says that when David hears these thoughts, he lays them up in his heart. But the Bible says he doesn't stop there. The Bible says that David's behavior begins to change. Things that David used to do, David didn't do it anymore. Can I tell you, you can always tell somebody who's beginning to think a little too much. Just look at their behavior. You can always tell Pastor Carson, who really believes God to do miracle signs and wonders. Just look at their behavior. Just look at their actions. Just look at the way that they respond. Because let me tell you something. People who believe that God is able to still do the impossible, they respond and their actions are that of faith and expectation. But those who no longer believe, like David, because of their thoughts, all of a sudden their behavior begins to change. Pessimistic unbelievers devoid of, of miracles in their life. People that used to believe that God could do the impossible now sit in church with their hands crossed, with their, with their arms crossed saying, my God, I just don't know if God does that thing anymore. You know what happened in their life? They begin to think a little too much and their behavior begin to change. But I've come to awaken somebody right now and tell you it's time to believe again. It's time to hope again uh, come on God is wanting to give you an opportunity in this place today to say you know what uh, I'm going to take my thinking cap off uh, I'm going to quit believing uh, that it's my life is done uh, I'm going to start believing that God has a purpose for me uh, I'm going to start believing that I shall be healed uh, I'm going to start believing that I will be delivered Come on, somebody. Whose report are you going to believe? I've come to tell you, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm not going to listen to what I have to say. I'm not going to listen to what my enemy has to say. But I've made a decision. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust in the Lord. 
Come on, somebody. It's time to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Come on, when it doesn't make sense, trust in the Lord. When you can't see your way out, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I'm coming to a close. Musicians, you can come. We find that David, this courageous warrior, has been betrayed by his thoughts. Thoughts are dangerous, you guys. You don't need... For someone to necessarily even come and speak doubt over you. All you got to do is just begin to think a little too much. And you'll mess your own self up. David begins to think, oh my goodness, they know who I am. They know the anointing of God on my life. They know that I've been the one that have killed, killed their kill their soldiers I'm the one that has done something in their life and I got to get back to my family I got to get back to my wife I got to get back to my kids let me change my behavior let me work this out on my own and because of David's thoughts an opportunity for a miracle dies can I tell you it would have been nothing for God to deliver David if he had done it just a few chapters earlier if God can bring the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground, it would have been nothing for God to deliver David again. If God can use a donkey to speak to Balaam, it would have been nothing for God to speak to David again and say, you know what, David, I'm going to do a miracle in your life. If God had done miracles before, he could have done them again. But because of David's thoughts, the courageous warrior we find earlier, has now been replaced by someone whose life is devoid of miracles. But can I tell somebody in this place that if that is you, if you come into this place in the world through his systems of thoughts and beliefs have caused you to have your thinking cap on and you have begun to believe that God can't reach you, that God can't use you, the world, maybe it's your first or your second time in the house of the Lord today. And you've just been convinced by the world and its systems of belief that it's impossible for a God to love you. And because of that, miracles have died and been suppressed in your life today. Can I tell you something? We serve a God that specializes in resurrecting miracles. I said we serve a God that specializes in doing the impossible and bringing things that were dead back to life again. Or maybe you're in this service today and you're, you're a veteran. You've been in this thing for a long time. But over the course of time, you've allowed your thoughts to kind of wonder now you don't believe God. You used to believe that God could do some of these things that we've been talking about. But now because of your thoughts, 
you, you just don't believe anymore. And because of that, miracles have died in your life. Can I tell somebody in this place today that if that is you, God specializes in resurrecting miracles. And if there's some things that are dead in your life today, I'm believing that by the end of this service, they're going to be back to life. And God is going to begin to restore some things that have been gone in your heart and in your life. Does anybody in this room believe that? I said, does anybody believe that in this room? The Bible says that David is given another opportunity just a few chapters later. He's standing there facing that all too familiar foe once again, the Philistine army. But this time, David remembers I tried this whole human logic and reasoning thing before, and it didn't work out for me. I tried to figure this out on my own. I tried to make sense of what God was doing in my life on my own. And you know what? That didn't work out. It changed my behavior. It caused some miracles to die in my life. It caused for the anointing of God to be, to be displaced and, and, and removed in my life. But you know what? This time. I'm not going to consult myself. I'm not going to consult my thoughts. I'm going to consult my God. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do a miracle in my life. And so the Bible says that David in 1 Samuel 23 and 2, David therefore inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go up and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kaliah. When David quits consulting his thoughts, when David quits consulting his own human logic and reasoning and makes a decision to consult God. God says, you know what, David? I'm getting ready to restore miracles to your life. I'm getting ready to do the impossible in your life. Go out and smite the Philistines because you believe, because you put your thinking cap off. Miracles are going to be restored in your life, David. I've come to tell somebody that is no different in this room today. If you'll take your thinking cap off, if you'll put some faith and some expectation into this thing God will begin to restore miracles you see I, I wouldn't be standing here before you today if I didn't have a dad that decided to take his thinking cap off my dad He's a mechanical engineer by trade, or not by trade, but by education. He doesn't really do it anymore. But if you know anything about mechanical engineers and just kind of the type generally that goes to school and does this type of thing, mechanical engineers are very logical thinkers. They're very structured, very rigid. If something doesn't make sense, they just don't do it. I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm a creative. I'm like, man, let's just do whatever. You know, let's roll with it. But my dad was a, is a logical thinker. And so you can imagine what it was like when he walked into a Pentecostal service for the very first time and saw how we act. I don't know if you've seen yourself lately, but it don't make a whole lot, lot, of, lot of logical sense how you act. It's okay to smile, y'all. You can laugh at yourself a little bit. Some of you should take a look at yourself. You probably will laugh a little bit. 
he rose into an apostolic church and it wasn't his first time but really his first time at this particular church and he's obviously taking everything in running everything and my dad knew that God was real but he didn't believe that the Holy Ghost was real he didn't believe that just didn't make logical sense brother Carson that you could come to the front lift up your hands repent of your sins and then all of a sudden magically you speak in a language you've never heard before that might have happened in the Bible but that type thing didn't happen anymore that just does not make logical sense But one day, my mom is the exact opposite. My mom and I are kind of similar. And so one day, they're in service. I believe it's the first service, second service they've been in at this church. And my mom, in the middle of a worship service, waltzes down to the front of that altar, lifts up her hands, begins to pray, repents of her sins, begins to worship God. And right there in the front of that altar, God miraculously fills her with the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And she begins to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives her the ability and everybody was so happy for her brother Matthews except for one person my dad and she goes back to her seat and my dad's looking at her like girl have you lost your ever loving mind He says, what, Christine, what happened to you? She said, Ron, she said, I just got filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, you got what? She said, I just got the Holy Ghost. She said, I'm telling you, I went down there. I did what they told me to do. I lifted up my hands. I repented of my sins. And I began to worship the Lord. And I'm telling you, I began to speak in another language. As the Spirit of God gave me the ability, the Holy Ghost is real. I'm telling you, I just experienced it. And my dad's looking at her like, Girl, you have lost it. You are off your... He said, hold up. He said, you mean to tell me that you just went down there, rehearsed some little prayer, repented of your sins, uh, began to worship and praise God, and God just filled you with this spirit, and you begin to speak with other tongues. She said, yes, I'm telling you, Ron, it is real. I just got the Holy Ghost. He said, I tell you what. He said, I want to speak to the pastor. So there they go. They waltz into Pastor Childers' office. And Pastor Childers is standing there. And he says, Brother Childers, my wife just told me she got the Holy Ghost. What do you got to say about this? And Brother Childers looks back at her and says, Ron, don't look at me. She's the one that said she got to ask her. (laughs) He looks at my mom. You mean to tell me that you just got the Holy Ghost and you spoke with other tongues she said Ron I'm telling you I just got the Holy Ghost it is real it is real he said I tell you what he said if the Holy Ghost is real he said I'm coming back tonight and I better get it and he walked out of the office But you know what? My dad did a very key thing between that first service 
and that second service. The first service he came in and he had the human logic and reasoning lens on. He had his thinking cap on and everything that was going on he was analyzing whether or not it made sense. It doesn't make sense that someone can speak in a language they've never heard before. It doesn't make sense that this and that can happen but in between that first service and that second service my dad made a decision and hear me today. It is a decision. Faith is a decision. Faith is not an emotional feeling. Faith is a choice. And between that first service and that second service, he said, I'm going to believe God. I'm taking off my thinking cap. And when he walked out of the doors of that house that day, of that apartment that day, he left his thinking cap at home. And when my dad walked into that service, he came in with expectation because you know the Bible says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you need something from God today, you can't kind of come in with your hands, your arms crossed saying, well, maybe if I get something out. No, 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 no. When you need something from God, there needs to be some diligence in your spirit that says I'll push through the crowd. I'll knock somebody over. I'll do whatever. I, I'm desperate for something from God in this place. And so he did. He came into that service and he began to worship. He began to praise God. He did everything that he could think of because he had given God an ultimatum. God, you got tonight. If you don't do it tonight, I'm out. We're done. Now, I need somebody to listen to me today. I am not advising you to do that. As a matter of fact, don't do that. That's not the way God works. <laughs> but God knew how to deal with my dad and he was innocent. He didn't know. He didn't know any better. He just said, God, I, I, I'm going to give you tonight. So he worshiped, he praised, he magnified the Lord. He came up and he gave God worship and praise. But can I tell you, unlike my mother, he did not receive the Holy Ghost in that worship service that day. He tried, he gave it everything he had, he didn't receive it. So he went back to his seat. He began to listen to the preaching Pastor Childers was preaching a message that day called, I know God can, but will he? And he was aiming it right at my dad. And basically his sermon and his point was God can do things, but sometimes we ask ourselves, will he? But in order for us to receive something from God, we got to get rid of that will he and just believe that he can. And you know how we kind of do it sometimes in the South. Anybody that's from the South, Brother Childers combined the words will and he together, and it became Willie, you know. And so he was preaching at my dad, you got to get rid of Willie. Get rid of Willie. Get rid of Willie. No matter what you do in this life, you got to get rid of Willie. If you want something from God, you got to get rid of Willie. Preaching it right at my dad. And my dad would stand up to say amen. And nothing happened. My dad would stand up to say amen, stood up to say amen several times, get behind the preacher with expectation in his spirit, believing that God was going to do something in his life. But nothing happened. But one time, 
My dad stood up to say amen. Just that he had, just as he had done several other times in that service. And this time when he stood up to say amen, he began to throw his hands in the air. And when he went to say amen, the Holy Ghost hit him like a lightning bolt. And he forcefully began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. And he took out from that aisle. He began running and dancing all across the front of that church. I mean, the church exploded. Why? Because he took his thinking cap off and gave God an opportunity and God did what he thought was impossible. God did what didn't make sense and filled him with the Holy Ghost. And finally, when he had kind of given everything that he had, my mom recounts the story. She says, James, I've never seen anyone move like that before then. And I've never seen anybody move like that since then. She said, God gave your dad such an undeniable experience. She said, it was like electricity. It's like somebody hooked him up to a, a, a thousand uh, watts. And he just began to shake and vibrate all across that place. Uh, speaking in other tongues that the Spirit of God gave him utterance. And finally, he crashed at the front of that altar in a heap of, uh, in a heap of exhaustion. And Brother Childers, the pastor was standing right there in front of them. And my dad looked up at Brother Childers, and Brother Childers stared him straight in the face and said, Ron, I told you it was real. He said, I told you it was real. I told you the Holy Ghost is real. I told you that God can fill you. I told you that God can turn your life around. When you gave him an opportunity, he did it in your life. And I've come to tell somebody that God is real. I want you to come to this place. I don't know whatever your custom is. If it's your custom to come to the front, I want you to come. If it's your custom to stay in your seats, I want you to do that, whatever you feel comfortable doing. But I want you, wherever you are, to come with expectation in your spirit that God is going to move in your life come on I want you to put off your thinking cap I want you to take the limitations off of God and believe that God is going to move in your life even when I can't see your word even when I can't feel it your word come on somebody believe again you never stop, you never stop working come on somebody believe again